0: Hi Scott, how you doing? Good afternoon, sir. I'm not bad. How are you? I'm not bad. What's happening? Uh, not a lot. I've got. I
1: don't know whether I'm having technical issues or it's the. Uh, I don't know if my earphones are working or not. I've got my AirPods in, but they were connected through my phone. Uh, does it sound as if I'm coming through the earphones here, or?
0: Um, it doesn't sound any different to me.
1: Hmm. If your earphones or not. Okay, let me try. Give me a wee second. So, does that sound any different? No, just says the same,
0: sir.
1: Right, okay. You sound spot on having the earphones in. Uh, Okay, I'll put them by now. That's fine. Right, okay. Uh, This might end up being quite a deep one today, I'm thinking. But uh, we'll try and and keep it as lighthearted, isn't even the the term for it. for anybody that's listening, uh, Scott is Scott Thompson is one of the one of my colour belt students, and has has actually had two two bites at sort of trying taekwondo. Uh, the first one, uh, which we'll get to during the podcast, we'll talk about, was a little shorter, and then has came back the second time, and has really made a a, a really good effort, uh, and is obviously a an ongoing student at the moment. Uh, I'm going to put some notes that people will probably have read by the time they listen to this, just on the podcast description. But if you can give us a, just a reintroduction introduction to yourself and how. Okay, let's let's think about this. Let, let's give us give us a wee introduction to yourself and why you first
0: came to be interested in doing Taekwondo and martial arts. Okay, um, so I first joined the school back in it was November 2017. Right. Um, I had o- over 10, 10 years or something, um, tried a variety of different exercise, and exercise regimes, different fads, I suppose, um, similar with diets as well. Um, and the, the 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 only thing I can really draw a comparison with is um, like I quite enjoyed watching uh, some Bellator and some UFC yep. and martial arts as a thing just interested me and I don't know I suppose I, I was looking into different I was looking into like karate and judo and taekwondo and I'm not sure what I can't put my finger on what it was but something drew me to taekwondo and. Where I was living at the time, the the school's literally around the corner. Right. So I, I thought, well, I'll give it a try, lose some weight, that that sort of thing. Um, I wasn't really sure what to expect when I started. I, I was quite anxious about it, but after the first class, I knew that that was me. I'd, I'd found what I wanted to do, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And wait, okay,
1: this this might be a good. In, I guess this might be a good into to what were what, the main sort of subject that we're going to talk about today. Where were you in, in your life before you started or round about the time that you started the class?
0: Um, so at that time um, I was at college and um, I was doing an HNC in social sciences, um, stay, staying in Hamilton um, as I say, just round the corner for the school, yep. um, I was with my my fiance at that time um, for like eleven eleven years or so. Um, so at that particular time, things in life were going relatively okay. Okay. Um, but the, the the in the background for for a number of years, there's been this cloud, I suppose, of um, my mental health, which is kind of what we're going to cover a bit of today. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So at that stage when you were first interested, it wasn't really, I mean, you've talked about this at length with myself, and we'll get into this more as the conversation goes on, but you found that Taekwondo and the school and our relationship and the relationship that you have with a number of the students has been a a big benefit into you challenging your mental health sort of struggles. Uh, but at that time, you really just started for a, for an interest. It wasn't it wasn't for that reason that you started. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 exercise part of it did it did link to towards kind of losing weight and getting fitter, and that that's always been a significant part of my mental health struggles over the years. So th- th- there was still a, a a link to it, but. It was more of an interest as well, rather than thinking when I do Taekwondo, this is how I'm going to lose X amount of weight and feel better about myself and stuff. It was it was just, it was more that, as I say, look, the different fitness classes are different things i tried over the years. I didn't have a... I did find some that I enjoyed, but never one that I stuck out for a very long period of time. Okay. And the, the way martial arts works in the different disciplines is the... Your your coloured belts, you sort of there's a progression, I suppose. Yep, yep. Um, and that that ultimately was would lead to a goal. So at that time when I joined, um, it was about doing a martial art, and it was focusing on one day I'm going to be a black belt. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and we'll get it in more detail, but that that point of view has changed massively just over the past year. Right. So since coming back, it's.
1: I never know whether there's more uh, mental ill health, or or whether it's just more prevalent and advertised. Not not the right word. Or just just well known really uh, nowadays than, than 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 what there was. And obviously, I'm aware that there's there's many there's many different ways and, and many different illnesses that people can suffer from that comes under this mental health uh, title, I guess. Are you in a position, do you know what particular area of, of mental health that you suffer in? Has it been diagnosed as a specific thing or how, how does that work for you personally?
0: Yeah, um, but the the first diagnosis I received was back in 2010. Um okay. I was working in a care home at the time as a carer. Um and I was having some various issues at work with different things like management etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um and just one day it was it was in the January j- just after new year. Um I was on shift and I had to kind of leave the sitting area and in the office and I actually just had a breakdown. I just completely lost it and it's something i'd never experienced to that level before um so i got sent home that day um and then that was that that was me off for six months wow okay. um but the when i went to the doctor the first time it was just like it, it sounded he asked me to tell him about what was going on and he says oh well it sounds quite situa- situational so i'll give you a two-week sick line and then we'll see how you're feeling." If you're ready to go back to work so at yeah. the, the very first stage there wasn't any talk of medications or anything like that it was like it just sounds like you're having a tough time it's got too much and and that's it yeah, um yeah. after that fortnight i went back again um and I'd, I'd i'd spent this this fortnight not 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 just in my bed but i was I was dead to the world essentially. I was mm-hmm. wasn't communicating with anyone. I was I was just in my own wee bubble. Um, when I went back, the the guy, the doctor, started me on medication at that point. Um, and he gave me a a four week cycline. Right. Um, because the when you take antidepressant medication, it does it takes usually about four to six weeks for it to settle okay this transition where the first couple of weeks can actually have a negative impact before it starts to have a positive right. um and that 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 entire four week period uh, i was in my bedroom the, the only time i left the bedroom was to go to the toilet that was it right. food, okay. my, my ex brought food up to me right. Um I, I could probably count on one hand how many times i washed during that it was probably one of the darkest things that i remember over the years and this was a way back, what nearly, what is ten years ago? Uh, ten years ago, now, yeah.
1: Right. Okay. So again, I think it's it's important that it's important that the 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 way the pod the podcast progresses is uh, is something that you I want you to feel in control of where the podcast goes and where the conversation goes. Uh, but even just concentrating on your mental health, so. 2010 up to 2017, when you, you you first came into the Taekwondo school, uh, what's happened in the Scots life, pretty much as far as your, your your mental health and just general. Again, I nearly do you know I'll finish what I was going to say there, and then I'm happy enough for you to correct me. I nearly said Scots mental health and your general happiness, and I think that's a mistake because people always just tie the two well are you unhappy or are you, or are you mentally ill or are you what, what is it you're suffering from is that insensitive of me to put it like that I, I wouldn't say so um can you, can you be happy and also be suffering from mental illness yeah yeah
0: absolutely.
1: Like, that, that's what I mean that's 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 me being being I would see that uh, you could see that I'm being a wee bit insensitive there or just not wording things correctly so from 2010 to
0: 2017, generally, what's happening with Scott? Um, well, d- d- six months on, we started there, um, well, just over six months, um, I started a new job in the August. Um, so I'd worked in care homes for a good five, five or six years before this. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that it was, it was probably time for a change. Um, I, I'd enjoyed being a carer, but there's very much a ceiling in where you can go with that. It's not a, a career where you're going to move up the ladder or so on without yeah. going back to uni and this, that and the other. So uh, I started working in a call centre. Um, I'd never done it before. Um, it was it was very, very different. But even even till now, all the jobs I've ever had is, have been interacting with people and providing a service or caring or some, yeah. something along those lines. Um, and initially the the job i was a bit unsure of um it was it was mad with a a 90 second call handling time so we got a call for an engineer for virgin media 90 seconds we had to fix the problem and boom straight on the next one okay Um, my busiest day i took 160 calls it was insane (laughs) Um, but over that time um, i was progressing quite well um i'm not going to get into so much detail on everything but it's just to give you an idea of what how my mental health works i suppose listen
1: listen the floor's yours there's no time limit on these podcasts or episodes so whatever you get that one's
0: up go ahead go ahead um so it was about a month and a half in um we we had a two-week training period in fact no that's a lie it was a one-week training period we had a week um and basically the the training material at the time was very very poor so it was old-fashioned systems with a black background with white writing on it and they basically took screenshots of them and printed them okay so you, <laughs> you, you couldn't read these bits of paper right. at all Um, all, all the learning for that job was done on the job as we had done it but in between calls or on breaks um even at that point i was still isolating myself quite a lot right so lunch breaks I wouldn't necessarily go and spend them with colleagues I would I would just go go eat and then come back and sit at my desk for the last 20 minutes or whatever yep. um, and I started making this tra- a training booklet on how to do my job okay just I just sat and typed it on the computer and it was just something to focus on and keep my mind busy I suppose because yep. b- being offered the six months before that was still pretty raw at the time yeah yeah um so yeah, I was working away in this um, and my manager just walked past me one day and he's looking at my computer and he's like, Scott, what are you doing? What are you doing? So I, was, I just made this wee trading thing and he's like, can you send it to me? So I sent it to him and that, that was out of my mind, I didn't think anything of it um, and he came back and he says, we're, we're going to be expanding the, the two teams that we had at the time were smashing targets so they were recruiting like a hundred people to mm-hmm. come on and do the job as well says could you do a train the trainer day with one of your trainers to run through this booklet and how it works and stuff and the guy's name was tony he was he was brilliant um he's the guy that trained me and he he kind of done the best of what he could at the time um and he sat and listened to me start talking on the first page for no even 10 minutes he's like sorry scott i'm gonna be back in a minute." and he, he disappeared away upstairs and I, I was sitting for 10-15 minutes just sitting wondering what was going on twiddling my thumbs yep. and he came back down and he says I've just spoke to your manager and his manager and my boss and we're just going to get you to train everybody because you clearly know what you're talking about without having look, we could do this all day and I'm not necessarily going to be able to explain it the way you do so this is I all go. sounding
1: really positive at the minute but I'm at, I'm on the edge of my seat here because <laughs> it make me feel as if
0: something bad's just around the corner. You. Oh, as as, as, as okay. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> um, so I done the done the training for like four or five weeks. Trained just just over a hundred people, and during this time there was a lot of chat about um at, at the time in the call centre. Um, it's an outsourced call centre, so they've got different campaigns. It wasn't Virgin Media that I worked for directly. Okay. So, Each project had a project trainer, which is somebody who works on the phones, but when new intakes are coming, they'll go train them. And then there was operations trainers who handled training of all sorts. That was their full-time job. So there was a lot of chat about me becoming a a project trainer for my project because of how well everything was going. And essentially at the end of it, it was, there's not actually a job because you've just trained 100 people. So there's nobody to... There's nobody to train and there's not going to be for potentially a good few months yet yeah and i'm like hey, okay fair enough i'll take that it's, that is what it is um i, I did go home that day and I, I was i was like i was up here and then just kind of yeah, i've bombed hard um i just i continued on and did the best that i could going back on the phones and doing my job that i had been doing and i'd applied also for a team manager's job mm-hmm. and there was a lot of people applied for it and I, I was shortlisted and i got an interview and i get rejected for that as well and this this was in the space of like a month okay um and when that happened um that, that it, it hit me really hard um and and i ended up off sick again right um i i, I really i really didn't know it, it felt like all the hard work to that point had been worthless almost. Um, and it, it wasn't until many years later, which again we'll, we'll get to at some point, um, it, I can look back at it now and analyse why that happened.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But um, that, that, yeah, that was me off. That was it. I was done. I think it was the following, following well, February March that I left. So I wasn't. I wasn't even there for a long time, but had been almost going at breakneck speed and progression and doing well and getting good good feedback and all that. And every time I tripped it was almost like I didn't keep going. I just tripped and I fell flat in my face and that was me out for a bit. So I'm I'm happy enough to, to uh
1: I'm happy enough to take the role of the and I want to maybe delib- deliberately take this role today on some of the things of being the just the guy that doesn't understand because I think people that will be listening uh, and I think people that, that I think the, the discussion around mental health over many years and probably just up to now, because maybe you'll be able to shed some light about if things are getting better or not, but I'm happy enough. I'm happy enough to take the role of the the person who doesn't understand. right? So, and you said it just a wee second ago about sort of tripping up. And this is a bit that I don't think people understand, and maybe you'll be able to clarify this. People people will say, oh, just pick yourself up and, and go on with it. And listen, that's, we've all been through this, and but people aren't suffering from the illness the way that you're suffering. So, and again, this is partly to do with the fact that when, we, when we've talked before, People can't see that you've broke your arm and you're standing in a stookie and a sling. They, they can't see that you've you've broke your leg. or they, they can't see what's actually going on inside your head. So they don't know what you're actually dealing with. They don't know that a a stumbling block in your career, being treated not so good. People, am I right in thinking that that's a big misconception? That people yeah. say, oh, just pick yourself up
0: and, and let's go on with us." Absolutely, yeah, Um, and I'll be honest. We're we're ten years on, and I I still I still hear the same thing from different people. Um, It's it's not something that's gone away. Um, There's a lot of stuff um, for different jobs I've worked over, uh, I've worked in rather over the past few years, and the everybody talks a good game, especially big companies. They say we've got two people trained in mental health, CPR, or whatever they call it now. Um, We've got, um, we we have. It's usually like boop or something. We have a service that you can phone, somebody you can talk to. They'll never tell us about it, and so on and so on. But especially talking about this first job before I go any further in the timeline. When I was off sick, initially it was like a, a month or so, and I was like, right, I need to need to try and get back to work. Um, so you do what they call a return to work meeting so you'll go in and you'll talk about have you been to doctors have they changed your prescription have they done this that's actually quite invasive questions for me um and my personal experience Uh um and depending on how you answer and even, even if it's the most succinct answer where you cover all the details the attitude of the person, your manager or their boss or whoever it is that's doing it, the attitudes it's its almost like they're trying to poke holes in what you're saying. So so, so you're still really depressed, but your doctor's not change your medication, so are you that depressed? Do you yep. know feel that you're ready to come back to work? And at that time, the medication that I was taking, it had a, an effect on... It's actually some to the medication I take now where it wasn't necessarily to help me sleep, but by late afternoon, early evening, I was like super tired, absolutely yep. knackered. Yep. Um, and this is without having to do any physical exertion or whatever. That's just the, the internal battle in your mind, I suppose. Um, and I say, th- th- they basically do this thing where they say, right, what can we do to support you coming back to work? Now, we're talk- I was working for a project where the open hours were like like eight eight a.m. to eight p.m. Right. I said, I'm going, I want to reduce my hours, so it was thirty-seven and a half hours. I want to go down to twenty-five. I started the five days a week, five five-hour shifts. Days, but it would suit my health better to do a day shift, which is an eight a.m. start to one in the afternoon. Okay, and they said, well, we we can't we can't facilitate that we're open for eight to eight you need to be available at any point that's in your contract and i my reply was well you just asked me what you can do to support me coming back to work yep and and this this one meeting we went round in circles and by the fact that i was off for another five months kind of gives an insight into how much help i got over that time i suppose and I at was- the end of this
1: let me jump in there. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I'm 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 going to say this, and I'm going to say it on the podcast. People, I I think one of the big problems here, and what you're describing is. I still think, even to this, even even now, people still don't. I think that ignorance and the true sense to the word, and the fact that they don't know what they're dealing with. And I think it can lead to very bad uh, decisions and very bad courses of action. And people don't fully understand what someone suffering from a mental illness is actually going through. So again, getting back to that analogy, they're sitting there and they're looking at you and you've fell off your motorbike and you broke the two legs right, do you know what, Scott, we'll make sure there's somebody there that'll help you into the lift and they'll bring you up to the your desk and if you need any lunch, we can accommodate that and we can bring somebody to you and and all the stuff that people do when they can see it, but when they can't see it and when it's a mental illness, do you, do you, do you, again, and, and, and maybe I'm not being devil's advocate as such, but being deliberately sort of obtuse about this to, to just try and, I, I don't know what I'm trying to do, I guess. I'm trying to just investigate what the public are thinking and feeling as well about this, whilst I'm talking to somebody like yourself who clearly knows what's what the actual story is. Why, why were your management and that particular company, which obviously we can't name, but why why were your management Dealing with you like that, was it just to be awkward or, or nasty, or do you think it was because they they, they didn't believe you the same way they don 't believe lots of people in this situation, or what was their reason for being like that
0: so the, the the impression and my interpretation of of what they said and how they treated me at that time, I think there was a distinct lack of understanding um, there 's one thing i 've always said and it's you can read a hundred different books on mental health and depression. Depression and anxiety is the my diagnosis. Right. That's that's yeah. what I suffer from. I should have probably said that. No, um, no, 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 at all. But they the, a person's understanding of that without experiencing it to some level, I think it's hard for them to try and understand, especially in a, a workplace environment, how that affects you. Mm-hmm. Um and I've heard it in that workplace and I've heard it in workplaces since. People are accused of using mental health as a way to get an easy sick line and get a couple of weeks off of work. Now, I, don't, I, I wouldn't deny that that's that's potentially happened. That That's a thing it could be. I, I can't say whether it is or not. But, but people
1: think use a sore head and a sore tummy and a sore this and that for exactly the same reasons. Don't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't come in today. I've got an upset stomach.
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Can anyway, we carry on? Yeah. But the the the, the point he makes a very valid one though because when you were in sick, you I, I use I, I'm going to use the word interrogated. That's what it feels like. Right, Are okay, well, you okay, Bob? Phoning in to say I'm not going to be into work today. If I said I've, I broke my leg and I can't walk on it and I can't support it any weight, they'd be like, right, okay, fair enough when do you expect to be back or what happens next when I phone and say I'm suffering from mental health issues what are the mental health issues have you been to your doctor are you on medication I call, I, almost a questionnaire an interrogation I yeah do yeah. yeah. um, they make their way through and get coming back to the point about people potentially faking it or not from what I've seen it, it appears to be that employers they focus on this maybe one percent of people who say they've got a mental health issue that don't and use it as excuse to be off work but what they do is they then turn it into a blanket policy for people who genuinely suffer right yeah and that 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 leads to like a, a massive lack of empathy, empathy yeah. understanding and almost completely inflexible in terms of what support they're going to offer you and you kind of hit the nail on the head, that she said, with somebody getting supported in the lift to their desk and so on. If somebody's in a wheelchair or they've got back problems, they do these assessments in the workplace where they'll get a specialised chair with a support and a footrest and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Nothing like that is kind of given for any kind of mental health support. Um, in the past, I've even said, like, a quiet room where I can go and just kind of try try and calm myself down if I'm having an anxiety attack or anything like that. Right. Like no, that that's no a thing. We can't we can't facilitate that. That's that's the phrase I heard the most over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that the attitude that I was getting was it, a lack of empathy. But the there was so much focus on the wording of your employment contract, which says. We're open from 8 till 8, you need to be available evenings, weekends and all the rest of it. And I wasn't asking for me to permanently be on day shift for the rest of my time working there. Yeah. This the, the question was, what can we do to help you come back to work? Right. So I could have done that for a month and then felt alright. My medication might have settled down more or any different number of factors. And I think... I think to a point, a lot of what is seen in the workplace by employers and management is just the way they look at that contract, it's very black and white, there's no middle ground, that you you, you will do this or you will not, we, we'll say yes or we'll say no, okay. and they were very, very unwilling to compromise on anything that I discussed with them. Um, the, the lack of support from that job is, is the main reason I ended up leaving um, after the six months and like during the six months I was off, I went for a full, full-time full job, full-time wage to statutory sick pay, which everybody in the world knows is it's barely, barely enough to live on at all. Okay, yep. but my, my ambition was always I want to be back at work, I want to be earning money. So if you ask me how to support me to do that, then... At least give me a little something to work with. Mm-hmm. But that that that's ultimately not that that didn't happen. Right. So uh, what, what? Just to,
1: what I'm trying to do at the moment is uh, fill fill this fill this space in, in your sort of personal timeline between going back to like 2010, the first diagnosis, and then you 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 walking into the Taekwondo school the first time in, in November 2017. So ha, as a percentage, let, let, let's look at it maybe this way, and, and maybe maybe you, you'll be able to explain that you can't, but on a basic level, how what percentage of the, the, the next six years were, were sort of highs and lows and or, or just again I, I use this word probably uh, rudely and insensitively normal, which again as soon as you <laughs> say it, it's it's, it's a terrible way, but people will, people will, people listening to this will think, yeah, just normal life, everything happening. So what percentage was, was up and, and down and, and what was happening and, until you thought, Do you know, I'm, I'm going to go and give this Taekwondo a shot for the first time?
0: Um, o- Over the years, um, i will probably say the, the, the periods I could split it into are almost, I would say, between six to eight months. Right. So... I, after this job, like two thousand fast forward to 2013, right. I decided to go back to college. So I went back to do cookery and bakery. Um, first year was really good. Um, and then heading into second year, things went downhill again. Um, so at that point, um, I was receiving counselling. And I was basically going through the, pro- the the process for being tested for Huntington's disease. All right. Okay. Right. So that's that's something that that, that runs in my family, um, and the council was to make sure that you are ready for it and to potentially take in the consequences of whether you had it or not. Yeah. And I say consequences because even if I if you, even if you don't have it, that's still going to have a pro- profound impact in the next years to come. So. I, through that process um, and it, it was happening around the time that I started second year so I was only there for about a month and the the stress the stress of it was it wasn't going well but if, if I'm being honest when I was in the counselling session talking about it the impression I gave is that I was ready for it and I was fine with it right. because four years after my initial diagnosis I was looking for an answer I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what
1: the the Huntington's disease what is the symptoms isn't the right word again excuse my but what what is the consequences? Of um, so it's a,
0: it's a terminal degenerative disease okay. Um, okay. Uh, it primarily affects the brain which then impacts everything from being able to speak, being able to swallow, being able to walk in a straight line and right. there's there's a like a, a fairly big list of symptoms but if you had it, it wouldn't necessarily mean you had all of those symptoms. Okay. So it's it's not like a one size fits all sort of thing. I Just wanted to make sure that was people listening.
1: Again, that just adds another layer to your situation. That
0: that that that's. I just wanted to interject there. Sorry, carry on. Apologies. The, the, the Huntington's thing, especially, it's something that I've never. It's not really spoken about by anyone. Um, and the family it, it, it is now but for a number of years it was it was the elephant in the room that everybody yep. ignored um, that's one of my favourite scenes by the way I, I love because every time somebody says it I actually picture
1: an elephant in a room uh, <laughs> 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 just to add a wee just to add a wee bit of humour to this uh, yeah that's nothing to do with anything and apologies to anybody <laughs> anybody listening but just when you said that and we we're doing we're doing the podcast today over Zoom again, and Scott is in front of me on the screen, but in my head, as soon as you said that, and again, you obviously if you're listening, you can't see what Scott and I are doing, but he, he, he used his left arm to, to point, point to the corner of the room, and it always makes me giggle, thinking, Scott, you're doing really well, because there's a huge big
0: elephant in the room. Anyway, anyway carry on. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, not at all. Um yeah, so I, I went went for the test um, and the, the stress of running up to getting the result was it was too much. Um I, I kinda couldn't cope with it. Um and it turned out that I, I was negative, so I, I didn't I don't have the disease. And coming back to the word I used before consequences, um if I if I had been diagnosed with it. I would have been devastated because I would have been diagnosed with a terminal illness that at best they can try and manage symptoms, but it, th- there's no cure. There's no way, no way out of it. Once the symptoms start affecting you, it's just a matter of time before they continue to worsen and so on. Right. But I, I, was, I, was, I was actually very, very close to devastated that I didn't have it because I spent, spent years looking for the answer as to why I'm mentally ill.
1: Wow, right, okay. So
0: I, I actually, I think I would built myself up to the point where when I, I sat down to be told the diagnosis, I, I was expecting them to say that I did have it and that was going to explain why I was mentally ill. And I, when that I, didn't happen, I didn't know what to do with it. So in the background for all of these
1: years, you were... Was, I, I wouldn't even class that as worry. That's just something that's constantly eating away at the back of your head. Uh, it's so strange to hear somebody say that, but I, again, listening to again, and for anybody that is listening to the podcast, me and Scott can see each other. Just from if you're looking at you saying that, it, 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 it made perfect sense when you just said to me that I was devastated because I didn't have a terminal terminal illness. Mm-hmm. That's that's weird. I mean, that's a weird thing to say but it makes perfect perfect sense sitting here listening to you and, and and talking and looking at you uh because I guess that would have gave you that's the answer and then yep.
0: wow right okay yeah so yeah so so um the the, the following kind of seven or eight months after that was i was just i was unemployed i didn't even even for the first two or three months i didn't I didn't even claim job seekers or anything that's that's how much the negative result impacted me okay so th- it hit me that hard that i didn't have the answer i needed that i stopped i, I, I more or less stopped functioning for three months and that's kind of the easiest way to hit it in the head um it wasn't until much further down the line than that i suppose that um i was able to think right uh, or try and get back to normal life and start looking for a job and so on yep. um so Did, yeah I, does this affect do you
1: do you declare this when you 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 sort of rock up to the interview for a new job you're looking for is this something that would and again this is me getting back to this point about it still being this taboo or this uh elephant in the room. <laughs> Uh, do you know what I'm saying there? Do you, yeah. do you, do, just This is just a, a wee question I'm throwing in here. Uh, do you feel conscious that should I tell this employer that I suffer for this or should I not? Because are they going to judge me? or am I, if, I, if I have another episode during my employment here, how does somebody in that position deal with that? Or, or do you deal with it or do you, do you just not deal with it? Or?
0: So... The the call centre job um in two thousand eleven, um two thousand ten rather, um I didn't put anything on at all. Um the the next job I worked after I worked on another job between that and going back to college. Um I didn't declare it to them either. Right. Um and that's the, it, listen,
1: this is certainly there's 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 no there's no judgment attached to that. I, I genuinely don't know. It's not that I'm sitting here with any sort of opinion or On on whether people should, I'm really just asking the question
0: to see what that circumstance is. Well, the 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 well, every every job that I've ever applied for, it's it's a standard question. It's on every application that you'll ever fill out. And those first two jobs, I, I didn't. I said no. Right. When I went to college, I didn't mention it to them either. And then I started a new job in 2015, mm-hmm. um, in an call center, and that was the first. That was the first job that I answered yes, to right? Okay. For that question. Yep. Um. And I th- the the reason for it, I suppose, is that, I over the years, um. I'd, I'd seen seen different doctors in my surgery, spoken to um, different different health professionals, therapists, and so on. Um, back then, it didn't really ha- have an impact on me, but there was there was one appointment I was at, um, and we were, I was discussing my mental health, and the the person said to me, "Based on what you've told me about how long you've had these illnesses for, and." how it impacts you and how it has done for such a long time you you would be considered to be disabled and that's not a label that i had ever attached to myself before right um i i I don't really like labels um but disabled is I, i wouldn't say similar but there's there's a lot of labels in the world where people don't want to attach one because they fear that they'll be discriminated against because of it yeah of course um there's race skin color even even gender there's so many issues in the world but yep. when i every single time i looked at an application form i didn't always get an interview or whatever but I almost it was every single time i had an application in front of me okay like i didn't say no to the first two and then think right i'm going to say yes to the rest now huh. every single application based on what i was applying for and where it was Who the company was, I made a decision per application. Is it the right thing to put this down? Right. Okay. And And even today, um, look at look at. I'm at uni now, but when I eventually apply for a job, I'm I'm going to have that same internal debate. How do I answer this question? Yeah. Um. Was there anything that happened then between sort of getting
1: up to 2015? Is there anything that you would want to add in? between 2015 to 2017 uh, and, and you first becoming a, a, a Taekwondo student or or obviously you had that interest in martial arts as you mentioned at the beginning but was there any major issues between
0: 15 and 17? Um, the, the, There was one um, and it, it actually mirrors, I won't get into too much detail because it actually mirrors the first job that I was talking about where okay. I started this new job Hit the ground running, and in a call centre, I was I was off the phones within three months. That's and in call centre world, that's quite a small amount of time. Um, and I what so I started in the August, and I was off the phones by kind of October, end October, beginning November. Because you'd you'd been promoted or progressed into some other part of the job, right? Okay. Yeah. So I had I basically went round to different managers on the call centre floor and I said it was a, a brand new project so there was still a lot of th- things like processes that not in place and different things so I was like yep. if there's anything I can ever do to help give me a shout and one manager who I got on with really well she came to me one day and she says I've got your time off the phones can you come and do this for me and it was basically we she had different like five different people say helping her gather data on a particular issue but what this resulted in was five different spreadsheets some which had the same details for the same thing and right. all this and she just basically wanted me to sit and take all of them and consolidate them into one that was easy to read okay um so i've done an, a, a good enough job with that that i over over time I, I i was getting off the phones more and more until i was just off the phones completely Yeah. um i ended up going on to work on a project um was a project team for like process improvement and that sort of thing they brought people over for Australia consultants to run this big this big project and the project had been rolled out in different territories of this particular company so it was a, it was a big deal um and the, the project went really well but at the end of it um after after been off the phones for like 7 or 8 months they said right the project's finished so I need to get back on the phones and I was like, is, is that really what we're going to do here? I've been seven, seven or eight months, I've been doing all this project work and suddenly you're essentially putting me back to square one because what they said was, we can't move you into another role because you don't have any targets. You've not met your targets because you've no been on the phone. Right. And I'm like, right, exactly. I've done so well that you took me off the phone. So that's why I have no targets. So basically what would happen, I'll get back to square one and see all these guys who were good at their job but had been on the phones over these months mm-hmm. for any potential opportunities. Those those guys are at the front of the queue and I'm standing at the back waving. So lo and behold, that had an impact on my mental health. And I ended up being off sick. As it
1: again? Here comes Mr. Insensitive. And again, I'm only asking the question, I'm deliberately asking the question. Did that have a men, did that have a Impact on your mental health, or did your mental health have an impact on how you dealt with that? That's a very specific question because I'm trying to get people to understand what you're actually dealing with here. Yeah, so and again, listen, you're the expert, I'm the one that's asking the the, the stupid questions. Hardly an expert, sir. But but did did if if you didn't if you didn't have any mental health issues, would you have dealt with that better, do you think?
0: I think the but both both kind of options you gave me there which was it did it have an impact on your mental health or did your mental health impact how you it, I suppose, and at the time you would never have been able to get this answer for me, but I'm years later and I've done a lot of kind of introspection and looked at it. It's a, a solid bit of both, yeah. Listen, I just didn't want to interrupt
1: you there again, uh, no, not at all. But the option was going to be, I was just as, as I seen you sort of thinking over the question there, I did, I was going to say it could have been both. Absolutely, yeah. could have been both. Right,
0: okay. Yeah, I would definitely say it was both. Um, again, n- not until a bit further on in the story. Um, it, it'll all come and, and make sense, but o- over the years up until the kinda, the biggest issue that I've had, um, the, the, every time I was put under a little bit of pressure or... I was rejected, or a- any variety of things that most people get. It's going to ha- it's going to have a negative impact on you. Most people can can deal with that and continue on and go back to work. And right. but when this happened to me because of the way my mental health was, I crumbled very very quickly. Okay. So I I went from flying at a hundred and loving my job and the work that I was doing to a zero. And I always come back at this question, and the question always said, well, "Well, what was the what was the point?" Because I'm I'm back at square one again. Yeah. And one of the things that, that to this day still bothers me to a point is it's almost like a, a a sense of failure or a feeling of failure because people people go to uni straight for school and they get their degrees and they have a career. People don't go to uni and they 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 work at the same place and they are even moving different jobs but the, the clear, clear progression over time of their careers and their yep. lives and having a mortgage and having a car and all that sort of stuff and I don't, I, to this day I still don't have any of that to my name and every single little thing that I interpreted as a failure, it was just that it was almost like another another straw in the camel's back yep. until yep. one day it was going to break sort of thing. Yeah. So,
1: You've got this interest in martial arts, uh watching the sort of different fighting organisations. You think to yourself, I want to try a bit of that. Yeah, I want to try some style of martial art. Uh, and, and you find us, yep. L- luckily or unluckily, we'll get to that. Uh Right, so you walk in the door the first night, uh, i imagine that you would have the same challenges as, as most people do, like, Nerves and etc. etc. Then
0: what happens? Um, I I remember I've been in quite a few classes and I I, I can't say that I remember every one of them, but I remember the very very first one. Um, Yeah, like when I was out in the lobby, um, it, it was it was really strange when the students meet each other in the lobby, waiting to go into the hall. We all shake hands and we bow. Oh, well, I've, never, I've never seen <laughs> any of this before so I'm standing yeah. awkwardly in the corner going what what's am I supposed to do this like I just walk up to strangers and do this and at, at that time my mental health I'll be honest it wasn't in a place where I was going to go out of my way to to do that I, I couldn't I wouldn't have been able to push myself that far but I, I, I just I, I remember that one um and then Naturally, I waited to the very, very end for everybody else to start walking into the hall, yeah. and then I'm like, I'll just try and slide in." And I, I'm ready to just keep walking through the door. Everybody in front of me keeps stopping at the door and bowing to the flag. Right. So I'm just stand going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. I, I, like I was, I felt sick to my stomach. I was panicking at this point. I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, um, and I, I'd messaged you on Facebook before about it and stuff, so I think you'd noticed me come in and you kind of nodded to me and come over and had a quick few words in my ear, okay, and then we do, started the class off the way we always do now, bound to the flag, um, and you're like, right, partner up, and you you paired me with Miss Gray, and the reason I remember this so well is because. We were doing work on, we were doing combinations, and I had to borrow a pair of gloves and so on. So it was like left jab, right cross, and then it was a, I think it was a left uppercut, and then a right, like, kind of low kick to the thigh. I don't know if that's the right term, but... um, The thing that I remembered for that class is my left leg was absolutely killing me. Miss Grey hit the same spot every single time and she in no way pulled her kicks. Is is it is it is it wrong that I'm proud of her? <laughs> well, see at the time, at the time I was going, is this really the first impression that you want to make to a new student? i, know, I, I, I lumps I, I, out of me, but I, I, as a student now, I'm like, that. There, there's a mentality behind it and now that I understand the mentality behind what we do, it, it, it makes sense, but at the time I was like, I, like I was actually limping a wee bit. <laughs> it was bad, but it, but the the thing that I always remember as well is that, and it it was it wasn't until a few a few it was even the the week after the week after, um you'd ask the question to the room. You said, raise your hand if you are worried about hitting the other person while we're working on combinations, and I was. I almost didn't put my hand up because I was still very isolated within myself at that point, but I put my hand up and you were just like, what's what's the point? You're essentially doing yourself a disservice by not doing, doing the, the combinations properly. Your partner's got gloves or pads or whatever on. If you kick somebody in the leg, I might hurt a wee bit, but if, if we all pulled our kicks or our punches, we're never going to learn any better i suppose um so so that first night with Miss gray um I, I pulled my kicks quite a lot like i was i was barely impacting on her leg yeah and she's like right, come on kick me come on <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't i did i would not do it um but yeah i remember my first class i absolutely loved it um but the i, I was only i was only there at, at the class for maybe maybe two two months right okay maybe not even as long as that um maybe over a period of time but rather than it being two or three classes a week which i would do now it was it was one here and there sort of thing
1: this is quite important but because this is something that you've spoke to me privately about uh which i know that you're you're happy enough to discuss here but the fact that there was a relationship there between you and the school, having just been there for two months, that even though what what everything you went through between these two episodes of training with us, you kept that relationship knowing that, no, do you know what? I want to end up back here one day, which we'll get to. We will get to that. But uh, that, that was always quite poignant for me. Anytime you would message me or we would talk, because what what I'm thinking is, people will think, right? Well, you were only there two months, three months, call it whatever that small time was. What was the what was the attraction there to know that that was something that was always going to be something that you wanted to get get back to?
0: Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll get we'll get back to that. So sorry, carry on. Yeah. Um, so th- th- that that was that was pretty much it. Um, Following that, those couple of months, um, like, d- during this time from kind of October onwards, um, the relationship that I'd been in for like eleven and a half odd years was, it was it was in a lot of trouble, um, and it's it's not something that I'm going to get into detail about. But of course, that's fine. It was t- at that time, I suppose, when I talk about all these jobs that I had, where I felt like a failure, mm-hmm. my crown and achievement as that i had this relationship that had been going on for such a long time yeah and it 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 was it was almost a badge i was wearing because in the kind of the world that we live in people people don't date the way they used to it used to be that like most of the older generation have been in relationships for 10 20 30 40 years whereas now it's it's not that concrete so for I've had friends, different people I've worked with over the years have so been in and out of relationships, but this is my crowning my crowning achievement. Um and in the January, um just it was six days after New Year, I still remember that clearly. Um it was th- that that was it. It was it was time to call call time on it that that was the relationship over. And the the impact that that had on my mental health was huge it was like absolutely massive um and that, that that's the point that I stopped coming to classes and I, I i remember messaging you on different nights and I'm like i'm really sorry sir i'm i'm going to try and get to the next class i'm going to try and get what i, I, I pro- at the time i wouldn't have given myself any credit for it but i i can in a way now uh-huh. because even throughout that I was still saying, I am going to try and get back. I will yeah. try and be back at some point. Um, so what, what followed that was um, the, the me and my ex stayed in the same house for a full month after we split up because neither of us was in a financial position to have our own our own place. Okay. Um, and if one of us moved out, it would essentially be dumping the, the other one with the yeah. rent, the council tax and so on and so on. So th- that month, it was it was difficult in a lot of ways. But I think the biggest issue that I can look at it now and come to terms with is that it was almost delaying the, the devastating impact of what was going to happen once we moved out. Yeah. Because we still live in the same house day today and it still felt, not like we were in a relationship, but we were in each other's company a lot and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I understand, yeah. So... Eventually we got to the start of February. Um we'd given a month's notice to move out. Um and I, I moved in with my, my older brother. Um and that that was on the Sunday that I moved in. Um and that that, that kinda leads us up to Thursday the the eighth. Thursday, the eighth of February. Okay. Um which is kind of the I suppose the the biggest part of my story. Um, well,
1: before again, yeah. let me just quickly jump in there just to, to add a wee bit of structure. Uh, what had you? What had even though it was only two or three months, give us a couple of. Uh, what was the, what was the attraction to the? And again, I'm my hope eventually is is that the 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 pod cast grows to be uh, out with our school, I guess. And, and when I'm talking about our school and in, in a way I'm actually talking about all good martial arts or the way that I, I hope that good martial arts can help people. So the question is going to be, how did our school, what was the attraction there? But really, in a wider sense, the, the, the question is, what did you get from martial arts? Not just Taekwondo, but anybody that was doing judo, judo, or jiu-jitsu, or karate, what what in those first two or three months really hit home as, as positives that you could then
0: have part of, of your life moving forward. Um, the, the the there's two there's two main parts of it, um, and I know you're a very humble guy, but you yourself are a a big part of why I always wanted to come back to the school. Um, the the discussions we had and you, you at this point you've only known me for a couple of months, but I was I was honest about what was happening and the, what was going on and I was gonna potentially be moving out of Hamilton and stuff and the support you gave me as almost a stranger um hit home for me quite a lot. But the the impact you had on me in the classes as well. When I, when I looked at the martial arts and starting class, I thought we were, I was just going to come in and I was going to be punching and kicking all the time. And that, that was it. That's how I was going to get fit. I was going to do punches, kicks, and that was it. But the stuff that we cover, um, like, like the, the, the first night that I ever practiced Chonji, the pattern, yeah. I had absolutely no idea what to expect. But the black belt that came and helped me. Was spectacular, and I th- even though I had no idea what I was doing, I felt very comfortable. And I suppose that your judgment as the instructor on what the students need, I suppose, had an impact on me, because uh, you, you, at class you're, you're paired with usually somebody different almost every week, depending who's there and who's not. Yeah. But those first couple of classes, you kind of, you, you almost picked or pointed out who to pair with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember um, Fiona, Fiona Summers. Um, yep. She was, I, I was paired with her quite a lot, and she was, she was very open. She was very, kind of just. She made me feel comfortable, whatever we, whatever we were doing. So, yeah, a lot of it to do with you and just your attitude the, the the way we train is very different to what i expected i suppose um and the the other things kind of the community of the class the, the school the, the the students um and no i can't think of an example in all the years gone past where i was accepted so readily and i felt I actually, for the short time I was there, I felt like part of the school, yep. where in years gone past, like a, like different exercise regimens and whatever, um, Like I I used to be a, a licensed Zumba instructor way back, way back, and I went to the classes with a friend, mm-hmm. and I became friends with the instructor, and I got to know, know a couple of people in the row that I was in, yep. but there was another 20 people behind me, and I have no idea to this day who they were. Yeah. Whereas after a few a few weeks, a month, two months at the school, I knew who different people were, and actually felt comfortable enough to to come in. I suppose get in the lobby and shake their hand and bow. It, yeah. That it sounds like something minor, I suppose, in a way, but it had a really big impact on me and how how I managed my anxiety yeah. by being able to come into the school like that, whatever classes I was there for. I mean,
1: I always, you know, I say this and I sort of post about it on social media and stuff and I say it in class, but the, the the best instructors give the students what they need and not what they want. Yep. Uh, but again, cards on the table, like I'm glad that I got it right with you. I don't get it right with everybody. Not, I know nobody sort of wants me to be perfect either, but you, you you do you make you make you make bad bad judgment sometimes, uh, and as I say, try to give people what you think they need is should be a, a big important part of 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 any instructor's role. It's not just something that I try and do. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of the fact that you mentioned that. It is something that, as an instructor, you should really really persevere towards and 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 making sure that the student is getting because a lot of people they they mix up what they actually need which sometimes is 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 tough love sometimes it's you know it's it's compassion sometimes it's it's just understanding sometimes it's discipline sometimes it's not it's very hard to juggle that and get it perfect all the time Uh, you've just got to persevere as an instructor to try and try and get it right more times than not. But the reason why I'm mentioning this is, is that your story and the bit we're going to get onto in a second and then the the, the, the the more positive aspect after that was maybe just an occasion where I lucked out and actually got it right, that I was giving you something that it's dead easy to give people what they think they want and what they usually want is just a pat in the back and yep, Everything you say is right. Do you know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah.
1: So that, that, that. I think I spoke to Mr Burns who was on the previous podcast about fate and stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and appreciative that in some senses I got it right where, where you're concerned. But with a caveat that to anybody else listening, I don't always get it right. But I do try my best to get it right.
0: Yeah no you the, the those you, you, you definitely got it right with me um and it, I, I don't I, I can't even i can't go into your thinking because it's the way you were thinking at the time but the you, you you ticked all the boxes for me and when i when i say that it wasn't what i was expected i expected to experience coming to the school the, there's there's no negative way that I mean that it's purely positive. It's better than what I expected, and all the different ways I can I can explain it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- th- those were the two main things. Um. At the time that led to me coming back to the mm-hmm. school. Um. Yeah. So that kind of leads us into to what happened next. So we're in February two thousand. February two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Um. Right. So big like deep breath. I, yeah. <laughs> um, so I moved in with my brother on the Sunday, and the my, my mental health was really being it, re, it was being tested really really heavily um, because this this crown achievement that I had wasn't wasn't there anymore. So I, I sat in the, the, the my room in my brother's flat. And the the problem the problem with people who haven't experienced mental health to the same sort of level that I have, I suppose, like mental health conditions or illnesses, yeah. is that they're not really sure what to do. And and my brother he, 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 did, he did he did what he thought was right and he did his best. And if I if I didn't have these mental health conditions, what he was trying to do, I think, would have led to me getting back to normality a bit faster. Yeah. But, it's, the, it, the, the the thing that he done was, he went to work, he was, he was still working full time, he would come in for work, he would make the dinner, I would get in the living room, eat the dinner with him, then go back to my bed. Right. And I spent a lot of time on my own. Mm-hmm. But, when you suffer from anxiety and depression, that inevitably leads to you chronically overthinking. So at, at that time, I'm thinking I've lost my house. I, I, it was a private let, but it was my house. It was my space and so on. Yep. Um, I'm overweight and I'm no, I, I won't be able to go to Taekwondo anymore because I didn't drive at this point. Um, I had I, a pile of debt which I still have, it's still a, a, a real struggle for me and my mental health, the, the, the debt that I've got. But I almost done a bullet point list of what was wrong with me and my life and so on. Um, and I'll quickly skate over the Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, I visited with my ex to sort out our finances. Mm-hmm. Because we've been together so long, they were so intertwined that we had to sit and pull all the thread to two separate piles yeah. and inevitably when somebody when you break up the, the conversation is going to turn to what happened and so on and so on and it turned, it turned from a, a, a calm chat about finances to something that was really emotional yeah. things were said that were devastating and had a real impact um, and I, I went home that night And I think that was the first time, even after the Sunday when we moved out, I think that was the first night that it hit me like a freight train, that my life had completely changed from what I'd known it for years. Um, And I just, I couldn't cope with it. I could could not cope with it. So... um, the thoughts that were going through my through my head were no longer negative about the debt or this or that or the other it was about my life and without being too explicit what's the point i suppose like that that question that I asked all these different jobs i had well, what was the point but the i opened up my my laptop and i basically will say i typed out some letters um, and the following day, after my brother went away to work, um, I attempted to take my own life. So I sent sent all those letters to the people who I work electronically. I sent it to them, yeah. and then I tried to take my own life. Um, well, I won't get into details about it. Nobody needs to hear about it. Um, there's a sharp sharp instrument involved, and I tried to take my life. So. <laughs> As it was happening, um, my phone is absolutely buzzing, 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 um, and I, I I ended up losing consciousness, and it's 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 very surreal to try and explain. But my my brother arrived home, uh, rushing home for work, and like he it almost it brought me around again. Yep. Yep. And I I was saying things that I won't repeat, but. It, it, it was it was very traumatic for me and for my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, got towels or whatever, and fought an ambulance, and then my sister turned up. Um, I, I'll I'll come back to how that happened a minute because it's something that I posted on Facebook Facebook about a while back. It was something that I'm still that, yep. I, I still struggle with. Um, so I, the I I, I, th- I thought I was gone at one point. Um, and when the ambulance guy turned up he was he was almost shouting at me to keep me try and keep me conscious mm-hmm. um, try to make me think um so they 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 took off the clothes that I was wearing and pulled fresh stuff on and put me in the stretcher and took me out to the ambulance um and the the the, the kind of next expert when I get to the hospital um it's kinda it's, it's the thing to this day that haunts me the most, the, every you, you would think that the most traumatic thing about what happened was my memory of it happening, yeah. and the, the actual act itself, but the thing that, I, I don't know, devastated isn't a strong enough word, um, but when my brother arrived to the ambulance to in the hospital, the way my family was crying, and how upset they were, and the impact it had in them was—it was—I I, I had already went through this traumatic event, and as I said, I thought I thought I was gone, but it was almost—it was the sounds of them crying and being upset mm-hmm. was piling on, and it was—it was—it was, it was without a doubt the hardest—the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life is the, the the actual act itself was not the hardest, it was dealing with the aftermath of it. Um, so I, get, I get took to the cardiac ward, cardiac ward rather, um, because they'd done my bloods after they'd sewed my arm up. Um, and they thought I'd had a minor heart attack because it was a, a really obvious protein marker or something in my blood. Mm-hmm. So they took me to cardiac rather than the mental health ward and it it was tricky because they they put me in like the on a ward you've got single rooms, or you've got the kind of shared rooms yes, so they put they put me in a shared room because they obviously didn't want me to be by myself, yeah. so even though my family was still here and there, potentially they might have had to leave or whatever, so they put me in the shared room. And the dealing dealing with the aftermath of that was it was so difficult. Um I was in the ward for three days and excuse me. Um the one of my members of the family was with me at all times. Um it's like against kind of hospital policy for people to stay over, but they allowed brought in this massive recliner chair to allow somebody to stay. Yeah. Um but there, there was something that happened that was that it again it was it was compounding this really devastating event this thing literally I I can't even say it wore wore me down to nothing like it's less than nothing it was I can't explain it there's no words for it and I I had to sleep in that that shared room um that well I tried to sleep during the day but it didn't work out but the the first doctor that that came to me after I got moved up to the ward from the accident emergency. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in hospital, but there's this this almost ridiculous belief that if you're in a communal room and you pull a curtain shut, nobody else can hear what the doctor's saying. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> yep. yeah, so that happened. Um, and. The doctor, the doctor said to me, so you've cut your wrist then? That was, that was the first thing he said walking into the, my wee shielded off bed. And I'm just sitting there like, are you seriously saying that? In a room that's got five other beds with people in it? Seriously? Yeah. So I didn't actually, I didn't actually really talk. I mumbled a little bit and my family members kind of spoke for me. and. When he went away, I get really upset and I was like, I need to be in my own room. And my sister or my mum, somebody went away and spoke to the nurses about it and they said, no, we need you to be in the nurse room. The single rooms are for people who have got like, like maybe extremely seriously ill and so on. And they need the privacy with their family. And I, I was, I was extremely adamant, we'll say that I could not stay in the communal room with everybody else. I, I couldn't get through that conversation or anything close to it every time somebody walked in. Yeah. After the doctor went away and they opened that, the curtain back up, I, 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 almost, I was trying to hide my face. It was, I was, it was so bad that that, that happened. That the, the doctor's nonchalant attitude was just something that I'd never dealt with before. Um, so we, we eventually get into my own room. Um, and the, the caveat was that the curtain stayed open, and a member of the family stayed with me. Um, so I went for different tests over the the following few days, um, and then the decision was made that I would move back in with my mum. So after the three days in hospital, I moved back in with my mum, um, and then trying trying try to deal with the aftermath, I suppose, of of what had happened. So
1: we're in the in 2018 now 18, yeah and you how long have you been back at class now since so since about, june or july last year right so you're looking at what maybe about a year and a half or so between yep. that day and you coming back to the taekwondo school so you're yep. looking at as you've just said you're looking at being in a position where you were lower than 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 low, an indescribably bad position. To you walking back in to the Taekwondo school, so a couple of angles here. Uh, just literally, what 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 happened? What what happened over those next few months and. How much of a part did the martial arts play in giving you that that goal uh, to 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 come back and then into yeah. not only just to come back but to come back and and be so strong when you came back yeah um you, you, you definitely you, you had the ground running when you came back it was it was it wasn't as if you were there was that Again, this is from where I'm seeing it. You obviously know what was happening in your own head, but the second time you came back, looking at you as 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 a student, as my student, physically, mentally, even just your attitude was was so much better. So, what 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 got you? What got us from that point to to where where, where you were just before we we had to obviously suspend the, the physical classes and move online when the when the pandemic hit. Yeah.
0: So what
1: what happened in that
0: next week? But, um, so I went home. Um, went into the the room and um, basically, I, my my stepdad put a blackout blind up on the window. Um, and that that was that was pretty much my life for. I I, I honestly honestly couldn't even tell you if it was days, weeks, or months. Like that, it was the time to a certain point had lost all meaning for me in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 trauma of the event and the aftermath, as I say, with the, the, listening to my family and everything. Um, and the the, the we, over those few days that I was in hospital and even afterwards, we had some pretty pretty deep and deep chats, I suppose. And and I'll, I'll tie it all back in after I, I speak about this, but. The, it's it's easier for me to look back now and be able to analyse and talk about than what it was at the time so at the time I was the, the the only word I can think of is that I was existing I was alive that's that's the, the longest way I can explain how I was at that time I was just existing um, my mum and my my younger sister my younger brother and my stepdad that's how, I thought it was in the house I was living with um, or are living with? Um, they they try they tried their best to a mixture of being there for me when I needed because I, it, it took it took months for me to stop like just getting upset spontaneously and break down and yeah. All the rest um, and after a period of time, I suppose the the. Um, daytime became easier to deal with because everybody was awake but nighttime was where i, I really struggled because i was i don't know the, the, the easiest way to try and explain it is um so i've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression mm-hmm. now these the two conditions go hand in hand but they're also almost opposites in a lot of ways Right so depression makes you lethargic you don't care you're tired you want to go to sleep anxiety makes your brain go a million miles an hour and you can't turn off yep so physically i wanted to sleep but mentally i i I could not switch off it was difficult um and i I spent a lot of nights upset on my own Mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong family said like obviously come and get us if you need this sort of thing yeah but over all the all the years that I've been dealing with my mental health conditions, um, I've always I've always isolated myself, I suppose, and I've not shared that part of me with anyone because I think a lot of do with shame um, and a perceived kind of weakness that I saw in myself because of it. Yeah. But even even during that most difficult time, I couldn't let that go enough to go and get help, I suppose, when I needed it. Um, so I get referred to a, a community psychiatric nurse, CPN, mm-hmm. and I I seen a, a senior psychiatrist, and they they reviewed my medication and referred me for therapy. Um, so a lot of people know about CBT therapy, which is cognitive behavioural therapy, mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of um, kind of analysing but putting strategies into place to cope with different situations and so on. Um, I get referred for CAT, which is cognitive analytical therapy, mm. and it's essentially taking you further back. It's you're, you're going back to childhood, teenage years, and looking at different events and trying to piece together all these different things to try and treat why you've got anxiety and depression. Um, so the therapy didn't start until, I can't even tell you when it was, it was a good three or four months later. Like Mental health services, as most people know, are they're kind of at breaking point almost. Yes. Um, you're waiting a, a good number of weeks before you're seen by any kind of specialist. Um, and I, I, it t- I, it ties in almost with a, an issue that I had over the years, which was primarily my mental health was dealt with by my GP. Right. Okay. And I don't I don't hold there's there's no negative feeling towards GPs. They 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 do the best with the tools that they've got but they aren't specifically mental health trained.
1: Well, they are general practitioners, aren't they? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So so the, the way that they deal with mental health is nine, 9.9 times out of 10, they'll give you a sick line and medication, and that's you, that's yeah. it. But, and over all the years, it was like, especially during the times where I was off sick, I could almost swear it felt like the doctor I was seeing had a sick line and a prescription printed out for me to walk in to pick up and to leave with again. That's right. what it felt like. It was a, a revolving door is what it felt like. So seeing the CPN and then the, and the psychiatrist and getting referred for therapy was the the first real specialised help, I suppose, that I've had. Um, well, I tell a lie, um, a GP referred me for a to a psychologist um, took two years before that but i couldn't tell you what the reason was but after four or five appointments i wasn't getting anything out of it mm-hmm. and i just i just stopped going Um i think i was in a bad place at the time anyway but the appointments i wasn't there was no positive impact happening so i just stopped going and um, and the the therapy i get referred for Was it was I think it was initially like a twelve week course. I suppose it wasn't going to be this never ending ongoing therapy. So they they done it for twelve weeks, and um, even during the twelve weeks, I talked a lot, and the therapist talked a lot, and the the therapist to me at the time was not very empathetic and almost hard faced in a way in the way that she was dealing with me and i was expecting to be a bit more easy going a bit more sensitive to what had happened and stuff but she she verbally gave me a smack about the head a few times and at the time i was like i don't i don't get it i don't understand why this is happening and when i went to the cpn for my regular appointments i was like I'm not really getting much out of this therapy it's really difficult and i'm not getting anything out of it so i, I stopped the, the first course of it i suppose and i think it was the december december 2018 okay. and after christmas I ended up going back for a few more appointments um and even even then i, I was still like this this therapy hasn't really worked for me it's not really done anything, but I, I challenged myself in a really big way that I, I didn't really think about at the time. Again, so when I when the the suicide attempt happened in February, I was halfway through my HNC social sciences, mm-hmm. so inevitably I had to drop out because of what happened. And I eventually went to the college and had a chat with the the kind of head of the department, and she said whenever you want to come back there's a place for you you're 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 welcome to come back and i even though it was six six months later um i went back in the august of 2018 so it was, it was really difficult um going back and because of the scar on my arm um i I I only owned long sleeve tops at that point to hide, to hide my scar and my, the wound. Yep. Um, so when I look at it now, at the time I was going, no, I'd, I'm not getting anything out of this therapy. What was actually happening was, is that I was back at college full time doing my HNC. Mm-hmm. I was progressing fairly well. The lecturers all knew what had happened and they were very, they were very good with me when I went back. And things were progressing well. Um I, I started doing my driving lessons and uh try to think what else. Lots of different things going on. I, I got involved with a political party and became an activist and yeah. um kind of campaigned for what for a candidate for the local elections and I like made this new group of friends with a different group of people and so on. So all these things were happening, but at the time I was like, This therapy isn't working because I don't feel any better. Yeah. But inevitably it's not that straightforward i was i was functioning to a fairly high level at that time mm-hmm. even though i thought um I, well, I, I didn't think i was still depressed i was still depressed which comes back to the, one of the things you asked me early on in the podcast can, can you be happy happy and depressed at the same time it, yeah you can you absolutely can um what one of the the reasons depression probably isn't taken so seriously is because you can be you can function with depression, right. but there's a side of it that's absolutely debilitating. There's there's no no way around it. So it wasn't until like a couple of months after, um, I think, we're April May now, um, I was actually able to go. I, in fact, even to, even today, right, I still can't say this therapy had. A profound positive impact. I can't, I can't put my finger on it, yeah. which makes it hard to explain. Mm-hmm. there's no, There was no epiphany. There was no poignant moment where it, all, it clicked and it all changed. But the therapy obviously worked because I, I was functioning. Passed my driving test in the January, and um, in, in the May June, I passed my my HNC with an A, which gave me a lot more options for going to university. Um, what 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 this all ties back into with Taekwondo is, I think I think it was actually only a week after it happened the first time that I messaged you, and you you you, you didn't reply, and I messaged you again, mm-hmm. and when you replied you said, "Please don't take me not replying as I'm not interested." I don't believe this is a conversation to have over Facebook, and I 100% agreed. And I think I think at that time I did say yes. Like my goal is to come back to the school, mm-hmm. and that this was only a week after. This was I was living in Airdrie, didn't drive, so on, so on. During during my recovery at my mum's, and all oh, oh, that 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 long kind of year and a half. Different family members, different friends. I, I'd, I'd always said I want to get back to taekwondo. Right. Uh, well, I've done a done a quick Google search. There's there's one in Airdrie and there's one in Coatbridge. Right. So why don't you just go to one of those? And I don't I don't want to go to one of those. I want to go back to Mr. Gassam's school. I've chose taekwondo in Hamilton. That's that's where I want to go. That's there's, there's no argument to be had here. This is what I'm doing. And I'd, I'd done this big Facebook post um, about a plan to lose weight. I was going to go back and do Zumba, get back to Taekwondo, I was going to go to uni. And I think at the time, I don't think setting goals is a bad thing. I think putting pressure on yourself to succeed and getting to all those goals is a problem. And I've only, this is something I've only realised in the past couple of months, um, going through a different type of therapy. but. That big Facebook post was—it was a big, a big point, a milestone, I suppose, in my recovery because I was able to talk about it a bit better. Yeah. And everybody was really supportive about coming back to Taekwondo or coming back to Zumba, or doing whatever. At this point, I still didn't drive though, so that—that that in itself threw up a massive problem. And yeah. to, to this day, public transport is a massive challenge for me. It's, I don't—I don't deal well with it. I get very anxious. Okay um so that get getting the driving lessons and getting the car was th- the most important thing um but throughout all the months following just sporadically i would messaging just give you a wee update and i've th- got th- a feeling
1: that i'm going to come across really really well here or really no. really bad
0: <laughs> no, yeah so, so the, the, the replies that the, the reply you gave me was almost the same and it was whenever you're ready the school is here ready for you to come back whenever you're ready that, that was the that was the long and the short of it and the in, in my in my bedroom there's a, a white chest of drawers that had my xbox and uh, a monitor on it to play on yeah. and what i had next to it was so that the first time i was at the school i never got my door work because you had to order the specific size for me or whatever but i took my badges and my handbook yeah so on my unit i had my two taekwondo badges not my three badges sorry my my ama my chose and then the big one that goes on the back of the door box yeah and every time i played my xbox every time i looked at the monitor whatever i could see the badges yeah and that of all the goals, I suppose that I made, the taekwondo was the one that was at the forefront, because I had a daily reminder that I looked at, um, even tied in my room or whatever. Every time I picked the badges up, I was like, "I'm going to, I'm going to get back to that. That's
1: that." good, yep. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, the over when I made that big post, I can't even remember what month it was, but it was it was way before I had the driving license or a car. And I was beating myself up that I didn't succeed in any of those goals. So, fast forward a wee bit, college was going good, I was getting involved in politics, trying to decide what to study at uni, so on and so on. Um, Yeah, I always wanted to return to the school Um, and as I say, I kept in contact with you the whole time. But the day, the, day, the day that I went to collect my car, um, I'd done this wee stupid boomerang thing that you can do on Instagram.
1: Okay.
0: And uh, I think it was something I said something like new car day and I had a big grin on my face. And you replied, <laughs> you replied to that story. And you said, get driving to class. I, I wrote it down. Get driving to class. <laughs> You're in danger of letting a lot of chat turn into hot air. And I remember laughing when I read it as well. Um, And I said, that's the plan, sir. Slowly but surely, I'm reaching my goals. And he said, set a date for your return and do it, especially now you've got your car. Tomorrow never comes. And I've I've got quite a sarcastic sense of humour. And I remember thinking, does this guy think he's Ronan Keaton? (laughs) He's got a song with that in the title. So
1: anyway, um, <laughs> I'm 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 really fighting here not to 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 put on a terribly bad Irish accent and give you a couple of lines. <laughs> you better you
0: better hurry up and go on with this story because the song's coming. Yeah. Um, but the the I suppose the one of the best the biggest accelerators for me getting back to the school was you replying to that post on Instagram. And pushing me to come back. And I come over, I I remember coming over to the school before the adult class one night and I had my my long sleeves on and all the rest of it. And I was was almost as nervous as the first time I'd went in Mm -hmm. because I don't think I'd posted anything in detail about what had happened. I've done a couple of big kind of poignant posts at different times, but I don't think, a few people like like Fiona have recognised me or some other people might recognise my face, but they didn't know me. Yeah, But I was kind of like, "Oh my god, if they see my arm, I'm going to freak out." And like anxiety, what I suppose I, I I should come back to that is all of the years before depression was the bigger part of the two conditions that I suffer from. Right. But the therapy was helping me to learn how to deal with my depression. Mm-hmm. So as the depression was being managed better by medication and whatever was in place, the anxiety became the bigger issue. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the anxiety of coming to see you was terrifying. Um, and again, I suppose talking to you that night in the wee, wee corridor at the side of the hall, I, I was I, my, my palms were sweating and everything. It was bad. I was I was really really terrified, and within. 20 seconds of talking to you i had calmed down a bit and I was I was alright to talk so we 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 spoke in detail about different things and um, essentially the, the the point is is that I wouldn't have made it back to the school if it hadn't been for you that, that that's kind of the the way it was um not not just the instagram post but the the very frank and detailed chat we had that night was was what brought me back so Yeah, that takes us up to June, July, last year. It's yeah. Since I
1: started the podcast, like Master Burns, obviously spoke positively, uh, and obviously you've just done it there. I always sit and and actually feel quite awkward because I never know. I'm always wary of just saying yes, yes, or even or no, no, or I always feel it comes across as being. Of lacking that humbleness that I think it's important to keep. I don't think that's I don't think that's me that's made me like that. I think I do think it's the art. I think it's Taekwondo and being involved in it for so long. So in any way that, that I can forward slash do, any way that I do help people, uh I think I've got to give the credit to the actual martial art rather than than myself, uh, when you've been doing it for so long, it's it, it's just the, the sort of person that it makes you. Uh, what what I try not not do is, is, and I spoke about this, and I can't remember, it was one of the colour built classes on Zoom, as we're doing at the minute. I always like to just sort of timestamp these a wee bit, because I'm obviously speaking to Scott the day through this, pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're obviously teaching and doing bits and pieces on Zoom at the minute, and this is what I was talking about in class the other night. One of the, one of the students had asked a question about a particular kick, it was side kick, just this last week, and it then led me into a discussion about looking at that particular student and, and probably believing in that person, Are we that they had the ability to do said technique more than what they did, and uh, when you're dealing with something like mental illness or health, or anything that's 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 obviously above my station, it's above my qualifications. And uh, then sometimes I might be a little bit insensitive to it or, or or whatever. But what's actually behind that all the time, and what's behind sending new messages on social media, and and what's behind talking to you in the corridor, trying to make you feel comfortable coming back? And what's behind every single student that comes into that school is this belief that what you guys can achieve and and, and, and what you guys can, can do, even over and above the stuff that you think you can do. Uh, that causes me problems because sometimes I don't know how to, sometimes I'm not as eloquent or even don't have the maturity, actually, to take a step back and think to myself, how can I express this? And, and I think about it with, with all the kids that come to school and I think about it with the adults and, and sometimes you end up saying things that are just too passionate or come across as being rude or insensitive or sometimes just ridiculous, I'm being perfectly honest. But what's behind that is, is me looking at you, sitting thinking, look, I, I know everything that you have been through only to the level that you've talked about it as an I don't, I haven't experienced it, but I know because you've, you've, you're standing in front of me telling me, or you've wrote a post on Facebook, so I know what you've been through, but, but I still believe that you can achieve more than what you might have the confidence to do at the moment. So I'll never, ever, never, ever sort of give up on people. I, I just, that, that's what I try and, Live by and as i say it gets me into trouble sometimes because i become too passionate about it but i was looking at you th- sitting thinking i mean you've talked about it yourself you've, you've talked about how you were exceeding expectations and how you were achieving things at these different sort of within these different job roles that you've done so there's talent there's obvious talent and skill there and that that should be there Moving forward, when we eventually get out of this sort of lockdown situation we're in, I look at you, even having went through everything that you've been through, sitting thinking, the same as I do with all my students, you can go on and achieve whatever you want to achieve, and in the martial arts and and obviously in our martial art, taekwondo, uh, it's just that vehicle to help you do it. The, you you mentioned this right at the beginning of the podcast, the punching and the kicking is it's just a means to an end that that's all the punching and kicking is the punching and the kicking and the sit-ups and the burpees and the press-ups they break the sweat but that's all they do but it's what you're actually learning inside and and, and what, what what it actually makes you think about and, and what you can actually walk away from a a good martial arts class what you can walk away believing that you can achieve that's what's actually important that's what's actually important uh any of the students listening to this will will be saying there he's havering on again and i I go down these sort of i go down these paths and, and get away from the actual point but going back to standing in that corridor with you i was i was thinking as i think right now sitting talking to you here that taekwondo and martial arts Along with other things, obviously, can help you achieve anything that you want to achieve moving forward. Yeah,
0: Absolutely, it um, is mean, a good point, sir. Um, over, over. So, so going to June and July when I come back, I suppose. Um, when I first came back, it. In fact, no. The, jump back a wee bit further. The first very first the t- first time I came to class it was to get fit and the ultimate goal was to be a black belt that's the crowning achievement of taekwondo when I came back to a point that was still the way I thought mm-hmm. and I probably say put potentially up to my first grade and I suppose um but up to my first grading, um, uh, in class, no matter whether we were doing patterns, combinations, whatever we were doing, there was a, a huge element of me overanalyzing and overthinking about how I done each thing that I was asked to do. Yeah. And like, like do, doing combinations, I've had I've had folk nearly punch me in the face because I'm, it's their their turn to punch. Yeah. through the combination and i'm still thinking about what i did wrong and i've got my hands here i've not even lifted my hands if they'd followed through they would have punched me right in the face right and that 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 was an issue for me it was I, I was struggling to deal with it i was over analyzing overthinking everything but the point i'm making is is that I, i'd only just came back at this point mm-hmm. so leading up to my my first grading going from white belt to yellow belt um, I suppose I, I could link a bit of it to the, the, the question that is asked, which is, like, why why did you start Taekwondo? And I gave a, a relatively brief answer, but it still hit the same points that we're talking about today, in a sense. Um, and it was, I think, it was, not at the time when I was thinking about it, but I think it was therapeutic in a way. Not just to me, but it changed... It changed the way I thought about Taekwondo. And I suppose the, the ultimate goal that, that I keep talking about. Yeah. My, my ultimate goal isn't isn't to be a black belt. My my ultimate goal is to practice my martial art to the best of my ability. I yep. uh, I leave it in your hands to decide when I'm ready to grade or not. It, that's the, the grading. Every time there's a grading, isn't a an aim anymore. It's just it's part of the journey, I suppose. And something I've learned a lot about in the past couple of months, a few months, I suppose, with the ongoing situation and the the therapy that I've been I've been doing. It, I, I, I'm focused more on the journey than I'm on the destination. Yeah. So. When I talk about my debt, I'm probably in a bit more debt than I was before because I wasn't managing my money correctly. But it's there, it's, it's not changing. I'll keep paying what I can every month and one day it's going to be gone. Yeah. Um, my mental health conditions, my depression and my anxiety... The therapy I've been doing it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. Okay, and it's it's a mixture of acceptance and mindfulness, which is something that's become a big part of my recovery as well. Um, and it's it's for for the past ten years, I've I've fought with myself and my mental health conditions, but the way I think now has changed, and that. I accept that I have depression and anxiety. I can accept that there's going to be days where I'm going to feel especially low or I'm going to feel especially anxious.
1: Yeah.
0: But that's fine because it's going to finish. It's going to, life's going to go on, I suppose. And it, it ties it ties into what I'm talking about with changing my mentality towards Taekwondo. The, one of the things I mentioned before about the first time I was at class, which was, are you afraid to hurt somebody your partner when you're doing throwing combinations? And a lot of it's happened in a sense in 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 the living room during this coronavirus pandemic. Because I've I'm not analysing what I'm doing anymore. I'm just throwing the throwing it to the best of my ability, whether it's a punch or a kick or whatever. Yeah. I'm doing the technique as best as I can. But I'm not thinking about the technical side of it anymore. I'm thinking about the effectiveness of it. As if, as an example, if I was defending myself, it doesn't matter if my sidekick is technically perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to defend myself. And that's just a small part. There's a hundred different things that I think about in a different way now. But the, the challenges that have come with coming back to Taekwondo and practicing my martial art, have been a, I I would I I don't know if a definitely a significant significant part of my recovery because the way I thought just a year ago to the way I thought six months ago to the way I thought now Mm -hmm. or I think now I should say each of those six months that is different and I point it out because when I started in June July I was over analytical I was overthinking what I was doing um, never, I've never actually told anybody at the school about this before but there's been more than one occasion where I had a panic attack at class mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of times where I've, I've actually left the hall and just kind of not made a, a big deal about it I think like a, cu- a couple of times I remember um, you know, you've been speaking to somebody we're working on their own patterns, and I was like just going to step out for a moment yeah. and you're like cool no bother and i've got this thing again where i don't want to make a big deal about or whatever but in the run-up to the corona virus pandemic resulting in the lockdown yeah. and the closing of the school the previous two months to that roughly um i can actually measure that time where i i wasn't having a panic attack there's t- times where i get anxious and i physically start shaking and like if I put my fist out in front of me, it's like that. Yeah. Shaking really badly. Um but over time it's it's still improving. Mm-hmm. And doing it in the living room it's got its own challenges. Um trying to throw kicks on a carpet yeah. doesn't really work. Um I've done it without socks, which burns my feet. I've done it with socks, which makes me slip. There's there's not an easy answer here. Yeah but the mentality oh, that, behind oh, that's
1: that, that's the lesson
0: <laughs> well yeah i tried a yoga mat as well but it keeps sticking to my feet and coming with me so yeah um but yeah my, my mentality's changed and it's, it's stuff we've we've discussed in briefly as well Is the like spirituality is, it has became a, a thing for me that i'm exploring and a lot a lot of it comes from the, the theory side of taekwondo mm-hmm. where I look at our aims to achieve and the aim of principles, and th- these different things that especially aims to achieve are the ones that stick out the most because I try and live each one of those to the best of my ability and like d- during this coronavirus thing um my mental health suffered I've been up and down here and there and i've been I've been quite honest with you about it as well, yep, yep. which again I think shows a kind of development of both our relationship and my mental health and the ability to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Um. Th- there was a couple of weeks where I didn't do any classes and I was like, well, there goes my perseverance. But I pulled myself together and I got back up and I'm training harder than I ever have before. Yeah. So the day that I can look forward to getting back to the school physically is something that I'm looking forward to. Been able to and, as well and in
1: right? most styles of taekwondo uh the the aims to achieve are known as the tenets. so the tenets of taekwondo are, are are things that we should that 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 way of expressing that says to me that that's ways that we should live by whereas an emer grandmaster cho has uh repositioned them slightly as our aims to achieve and it's right there in the title it's our aims uh it's what we are trying to get to although we actually never will there's there's more learning there in that journey there's always more learning in the journey than what there is in the, the 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 reaching reaching achievement the the crossing the line on a on a five Kilometer race, for example, the that last last ten seconds and the in the stepping over the line is exhilarating and uh, makes you proud and etc etc. But the learning's actually done from the first step to the second last step of the race. You learn very little actually on that final step. So your aims to achieve are exactly the same. The when you when you achieve perseverance you can't actually ever achieve perseverance so so they're titled as aims to achieve this is what we're aiming towards but we'll never ever we'll never ever get there uh you if you give yourself a hard time and when I'm seeing you uh, I mean you in front of me today and anybody listening if you give yourself a hard time that your perseverance has gone oh there goes my perseverance eh I've not done class for two weeks you're actually missing the point of what perseverance is yep. <laughs> the 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 point of perseverance is is that challenge of of keeping going of picking yourself up it's not of actually achieving it it's not of well I've not done this I, i've i've been I've been able to do this perfectly every time there's no lesson in that whatsoever there's no lesson in uh, modesty courtesy integrity they're all the same that the learning's done in, in trying to achieve them and aiming to achieve them so That's where the lesson is. It's not about giving yourself a hard time because what you've perceived as failure has happened because it's actually not. You're actually just living that challenge the same way. That's what they were designed there for, pretty much. That's what they're there to actually do. Uh, Right, so we get back to the school, fingers crossed, in weeks rather than months. Uh, who knows, what's, we've went, let's see, that's us just hit the two hour mark for the podcast, so. I
0: did warn you in advance, sir, that I can talk a lot.
1: Not at all, not at all, so we're looking at, we've just went the two hours, Uh, so we've only done five episodes so far, this is the sixth episode, this is the longest one so far, and I would say uh, this one, and and obviously the one that I've done with Mr Burns, Went right over that hour, and, and rightly so, I would say. But a couple of last things before we finish up. We, we eventually get opened, and as I say, weeks rather than months. What what's Scott looking to do? What, what what's your what are you looking forward to? How is it going to continue to sort of positively influence your? I would I don't want to use the term recovery. Just your, your
0: ongoing challenges and your ongoing. Journey. What's in the future? Um, the 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 biggest aim for me once classes return to normal, um, for me is to to do a minimum of three classes, and aim for four. Um, I found that so since I started back, the lowest amount of classes I've done in a week is two. Okay. And for me, that that's that's the bare minimum. But I I, I always aim to to do better yep. and what what changes for me i suppose when i walk into the dojang um is that I don't, I don't necessarily i can't i can't leave my mental health conditions at the door that's not how it works and i don't think you should or else yeah. with the purpose
1: here i don't think you should
0: yeah um that's kind of the way I did think before, I was like, it's a, it's a space to get away from it all and stop thinking about it and it's not that I actively think about it during class, but I think just a, a wee bit in my mind which I suppose living living the martial art rather than concentrating on my punch and my kick is what I'm aiming to do, What is which is what I've not done before. I have, I, I, Even when I initially came back, I was focused on the grading and getting away from that white belt that marks me out as a newbie and all that sort of nonsense. That's the way I was thinking. I was like, I'm standing at the very end of the rows of students when we're standing by grade. Where I stand in the hall doesn't really matter. What matters is that once class starts, I. I follow the instructions that you're given us, or any of the instructors, or assistant instructors, and so on. That I, I take the advice of other students who I'm partnered with when they they give me advice on how to improve something. Yeah. Um, and that's that, that's the that, that's my main answer. I, I don't I don't think that I need to give a long detailed answer on what I'm going to do better. I'm just going to try and aim to do better. Yep. Yeah. And
1: Listen, that that's I, I, people forget that people people are so look it's easy enough for somebody sitting here as a sixth degree saying belts aren't important. I've I've kind of tried to stop saying that because I I realised that I was saying that too much. Uh, you what do you know here again? And I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to. Say that I'll never change my outlook, but sitting here at the moment, uh the what I would say is, is that the the best lessons we can learn in martial arts, we would still learn. Other than other than, than goal setting, the best lessons we would learn in martial arts, we could still learn if there wasn't a belt system. Yep. Other than the obvious setting that goal of achieving your next target etc etc uh but all, all the all the other stuff and this is what I, I talk about often as well and again this is one of the areas where i always come across wrong or badly on social media because i can't really express myself the way i want to uh we should be aiming to we should be aiming to take those best practices that we learn in a martial arts school and 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 put them into Everyday life, my my six degree black belt means absolutely nothing to most people in the outside world. But the fact that Kareem Bulgasim is somebody who will take time to listen to me and will try and help me. Now those lessons came from my parents and my wife and being a father and friends and family, etc., etc but a big part of those lessons came from studying martial arts. Yep. Now, people won't, any, any 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 positive or good things that I've done for you, you don't remember them coming from a six degree black belt. You remember them coming from Kareem Bulgassin. Yep, That's the important thing. Those lessons we should be able to take are the ones that that I really have no bearing on what color of belt we have at all. Uh now I'll say again, that's easy for me to say. And I do believe in a degree to the belts and that it's good for goal setting, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But it, it really, really shouldn't be the be-all and end all. I I, I w- when I make mistakes, I learn from all the students. Sometimes I learn my most valuable lessons from parents, from, from parents of, of young colored belts, white belts and yellow belts who say, but you've said this, or, or you've acted in this way, and you've not considered X, Y, or Z. That's a life lesson, it's not a Taekwondo lesson. So, so a parent coming to me and saying, listen, this is the this is the best way of throwing a right cross or a left jab, or a spinning heel kick. Uh, That's where I'm the expert, but I'm certainly not an expert in life. So that's where I can say to them, well actually, I'm a six degree black belt, I've been studying Taekwondo for 30 odd years, I know what I'm talking about. But if somebody's trying to teach me a lesson on humility, or the way I express myself, or the way I speak to people, or if I'm polite, or rude, or whatever, it's all life lessons. That's what we should be trying to get from our our taekwondo, not not just the next belt. There's plenty of there's plenty of black belts who are really really good at martial arts but are not martial artists. There's a difference there.
0: and I know which one I would want to be. I think. Uh, I, th- I think the way you've explained it Seth, kind of it, it put, it's explaining a large part of what i'm trying to express and it, it is that we can talk about taekwondo and the dojang and my aims for being in there but the way i'm talking about focusing on the journey not the goal I, i've already applied that to my uni work for example i want i want an a is is the way i used to think i want 70 percent or above to achieve what is the equivalent of a first degree yeah what i actually want is is to submit the best work i can look at the grade i'm given receive feedback on it and aim to improve it in the future so the the, the goal setting does have a value um it's it's like moving up to the next grade bell is on the list somewhere yeah but it, for me it's not at the top yeah it should
1: be it should be i mean don't get me wrong it absolutely should be and and i do i do see the benefits uh Right, just a couple of not necessarily sort of lighthearted questions, but just we sort of snippets to end. Uh what's what part of your training do you enjoy the most? If you if I, if you if if you said, right, I'm coming into class tonight and this is what I want to do, and you're not allowed to say, I enjoy all my taekwondo, you've got to pick something. <laughs> uh what what what's what's your most enjoyable thing to
0: do? Uh patterns. Enjoy, patterns okay. for me. Um I I enjoy the focus that comes with doing a pattern. Yeah. Um. And even now, like I'm, I've done Chonji, I've done Dangun, I'm on Dosan. The 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 pattern workshop you're on. I miss Chonji because I had other commitments. But my aim is to, whenever those are a thing, I'm going to start for the first one. I'm going to to whatever grade I'm at. Yeah. I, I want to keep practicing and trying to do better at every single one of them. Yeah. Uh.
1: If you were, this is one of Mr Mr. Gillen's questions that he asked sometimes, and I think he he either got it from Tim Ferriss or Wim Hoff. I can't I can't remember, but it's the one where if you were to if you were to express on a poster or a banner, okay, if you were to express on a poster or a banner, something that summed up Taekwondo to you, to, to, to sell it to people to try and introduce them to it. What would you say, and I can't remember actually whether there's a word limit or or whatever but let's let's just imagine for the moment that there isn't uh you were designing a banner for taekwondo and we'll probably finish on this one so what what would you what would you put on that banner to to sell as such sell the, the idea of people training in taekwondo <laughs>
0: that's
1: actually quite a tricky answer. Um, Everybody who, who we ask this question to finds it really tricky. Couple, A okay, couple of bullet points on what what's the best thing you've found about it? Um,
0: the, the, the best thing I've found is, that there's not a short way to explain it, but what I've learned at Taekwondo, in terms of improvement and so on, can be applied to every aspect of my life. There you so, go. There's your banner. Taekwondo I wait, I wait will improve, improve your, your life. Your
1: life. <laughs> hey, yeah. brilliant. Uh, we said that at the same time there, so we're going to get a new uh, school banner and we're going to put it up outside the hall, <laughs> uh, saying Taekwondo will improve your life, and then we'll 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 put we'll put your name under it because it's your quote. So Scott <laughs> says that Taekwondo <laughs> will improve your life. Uh, anything else you want to say before we finish up? I'm just looking. That's two. I'll know the official time when we put the stuff together, but that's that's two hours and ten minutes, I think, which is quite a lot of info we've managed to get in. in yeah.
0: Is there anything else you you want to say just before we finish up? Um, the the the, the only thing I, I I really touch on um is 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 for anybody that's listening or anybody that suffers from any mental health issues or has done um. Don't give up is is the the easiest one. Um, What I didn't realise at the time and all throughout this journey is that people care about you, there are people there who will look out for you, who will get you the help you need and and so on. Um, Also, don't accept the status quo. Apart from my journey, um, when I talk about medication for, for depression especially... Medication for depression, a significant amount of the time, is like putting a plaster over a stab wound. It might treat your symptoms for a little bit, but there's a lot more to it than that. So don't just accept that your doctor's going to give you a prescription and walk out the door. Challenge it and, and try and get to the root. And then you start a journey like I'm on. And there are so many positives have happened in the last year and a half that I, I couldn't even begin to list them. Don't give up. Challenge your status quo and aim to do better. Enjoying Taekwondo. Enjoy quite, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll get some skill forever.
1: Brilliant, Scott. Right, you've done fantastic. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon we're recording this. We'll probably put it out either tonight, Scott, or, or it'll be first thing in the morning. So, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, you too, sir. And I'll see you in class soon. Alright? Yeah. Good man. Okay, take care of yourself, bud. Speak to you later, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.